What's up? Wait. 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 No. <laughs> Wait. Are we? No, we're good. Okay. We're, uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> there we go. Here's the episode. That was the beginning of it. Welcome back to Dips and Tone. I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. Oh. So. And I just yeah. got a message that we need to finish this before the JHS live streams. So. Oh, yeah. Great. It is Wednesday, isn't it? <laughs> Competing. Dude, my, my week, my... uh internal clock when it comes to understanding what day of the week it is is completely shot right now i don't know if it's tuesday or if it's saturday or mm. like we're leaving for our trip tomorrow right at 6 a.m driving uh first leg of the trip gonna try and go from atlanta to oklahoma city so we'll see how that goes um how, how long of a drive is that uh it's listed at about 12 hours but Ew. we all know that that's not ever how road trips go. So I'm going to budget about 15, 14, 15. Yeah. Yeah, do, which do I've you, done. I've done plenty of those drives before, but I've always been, you know, riding in the back of a van or a Sprinter or something. It's never been driving. So. Right. Do you have to do a lot of um, uh, like stopping for the dog or is she pretty good? No, she's great. Okay. Penny Penny is like the best. She's just the best dog in general. The, she's the, I tell her almost every day she's the best dog that's ever lived because it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't agree with me, I don't want to hear about it. So, um, But as a road trip dog, she's phenomenal. She just sits in the back of the car quietly. She sleeps. And then occasionally she'll stick her head up and be like, hey, what are you guys doing? So, you yeah. still here? Yeah, I'm nope. still here. I'm still back here. Still alive. We... we uh we took Fraser to a trainer, and that really helped. But it's like when you have a kid, your priorities are kid first, you uh-huh, know. Right. And so trying to keep him like trained up has been difficult. And um, a few days ago, Morgan took him to the groomer, just a normal, you know, uh-huh. thing that you do with a dog. And when he got there, he jumped on the counter <laughs> of the groomer. Where they had all their paperwork for all the dogs coming in that day, and he knocked everything off. Oh no! And for those that have not seen my dog Fraser, he's a golden doodle as well, but he's way bigger. Pounds. Yeah, yeah he's, he's literally huge. twice the size of my golden doodle. He's huge, and yeah. so yeah, Morgan was like, I don't. I, it's like, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then Morgan took Graham out for lunch and was like, Mommy had has covid she was like no i don't i'm tested <laughs> negative he's just like yelling this out in public yeah she's like stop being nart kid. Oh, god. god anyway what they say about snitches <laughs> god um well that's listen the the thing about golden doodles is you my my cousins have a golden doodle uh who's about the size of fraser and they did as i understand it um no training at all from, I could be wrong, but that's how I've uh, it's been described to me. And the thing is, like, they're so intelligent because yeah. Fraser is a F1B, right? Seventy five percent poodle and twenty five golden, or is he half and half? He's he's he his. I think his dad was a full poodle, and then his mom. Yeah, was that's a so. Penny's the same same way. So that's yeah. There's seventy five standard poodle, twenty five golden, and they're so smart. Penny yeah. is the smartest dog I've ever known or had. And so you have to like, she gets bored and and that's when she gets mischievous and gets into stuff is when she gets bored. So you kind of always have to like keep her entertained or keep her exercised. And let's think about those breeds, man. Yeah. Frazier's just so social. Like he wants you to play with him. Like he'll play by himself, but he doesn't want to play by himself. And it's just like, yeah, Penny's the same way. 
it's constantly. A, she's coming up to you with those big golden doodle eyes. Yeah. And, which are like human eyes. And she's Love like, um, could you play with me, please? I'd like to play right now. So this oh, is now man. a show about our dogs. Yay. And, uh, again. <laughs> it would probably do way better. If we yeah, did. it probably would. <laughs> uh, and for, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to transition my whole just brand you know to what? dog. I, in, in, in again, becoming a parent, you see all sorts of things. And I have seen on YouTube, and sorry, this is taking taking us a while to get started, but we're gonna get going here in a second. I've seen how much like money could be made from just making silly videos, like yep. like of your pets. Like I, there's a guy that just like goes to a lake and feeds turtles, and every video he posts gets over a million views. Oh my god! And it's like, wait, dude, we're wait, we're working way too hard, right? We're just not working smart enough. We're I, just we're working too hard, and we're not working smart. What's the dumbest low effort thing we could do like that? Go like but the thing about that is it can't it's one of those things, why didn't I think of that? But you would never think of that. No, no. Cause I think it takes a special special kind of person to think I'm gonna video myself going to a lake and feeding turtles that I have named, uh-huh. making them food to bring them. You know, it's like it's a different thing. But wow. some people just like I don't know they just know like there's there's this this like Japanese couple that film they have pet otters, okay, and that like that got suggested once and then we watched that one video and now Graham is like obsessed and so, <laughs> and but to be fair it's just two otters like playing with each other making cute noises and eating like frozen salmon it's like really, it's not entertaining but you can't look away. <laughs> That should be that should be the moniker. That should be our motto for <clears throat> dipped in tone. It's not entertaining, but you can't look away. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh God. Hey, anyway. Man. Yeah, we had my, my nieces and nephews come down for Christmas several months ago. And uh, of course they wanted to watch TV. And so I'm standing there and I'm like, all right, what do you guys want to watch? And they're throwing out names of stuff I've literally never heard of before, never mm-hmm. seen it. It's on Netflix and YouTube, and I'm just sitting there like dialing it up and because I'm you know, uh, a kidless millennial. I'm like, oh God, this is going to totally screw up my Netflix algorithm <laughs> right. or my YouTube algorithm. And sure enough, for like three months after that, I was just getting recommended all these kids shows yeah. and these kids videos. Dude, that is a whole other. You realm. gotta have you gotta have another a guest account or something. For yeah, those I, that was my mistake. I was just was there's like four kids and they're screaming and everyone's loud. Let me just get this like turned on and I logged into my account and it all just went downhill after that. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. So you're going on your trip. Yep. For me, back to back to normal podcast land. Um, I am proud to announce that we are almost done with the Mythos pickup set. Heyo. So I put uh, I've been changing some magnets, doing some swaps. Uh, the new set is in the the sister to my TCS because Novo made one for the showroom. So I put those pickups in that, and there, yep. Den- Dennis is checking it out. Matthew's checking it out. I want to like it's going to make the rounds, and then um, we'll probably try to make a, a few of those sets, and I'll send them to you and you know other people to get some impressions. <laughs> and I'm really excited. I feel like we're we're at the point to where this is going to happen uh, at some point this year. But what uh, should I put him in? My Les Paul? Uh that maybe. I don't know. It's like whatever. I think the idea behind them is not to be like a note for note clone of anything, but right. just to be a really good representation of what I think 
makes a good uh, pickup. And uh, Kalkidas in the chat asked, are we going to Nam? I am going to Nam. I'm not. So I wasn't going to go. And then uh, my best friend, Philip Conrad, who you should all go follow. He's, he's uh, starting out on his YouTube journey, Philip Conrad Base. Although his channel... He and I were talking. Uh, we were talking about it the other day, and he's kind of straddling the line right now. Of is he a bass channel or is he a, just a general music channel? Because he's a brilliant writer and arranger and producer and all this stuff. So, anyways, he got invited by uh, the what is that uke, ukulele company that does the uke bass? Kalea uh, or Kalea? Kalea. Uh, sorry, <laughs> but uh, they invited him to Nam, and so it's his first Nam. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to let. Kala. Kala, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, if he's going to go, then I'm going to go. And then I got um, got reached out to by Universal Audio to do something really cool. And so oh, yeah. that that kind of like was the fi- final like driving thing. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, we need to go out there. So um, can't yeah. talk about it yet, but going to get to do something really, really cool with UA while we're out there. So I'm, I'm so curious as to what it's going to be like. Like I, this is this is the first real nam since summer nam of 2020 i guess because like when we had winter nam 2020 and this is the first like proper nam again yeah and i'm just i'm man i don't know what it's going to be like i i i I know that most of the pedal guys have pretty much abandoned nam altogether at least anybody that (laughs) that makes any money you know yeah so yeah because it's just so expensive dude to to do it and you know I, I don't know much about how that side of the business works, but from the outside looking in, I just for pedal companies in particular, it's like I don't I don't see the the appeal to no, it. No. I was looking at the attendee list the other day though on online and I just kind of scrolled through the you know the alphabetical and it looked pretty long. I mean, compared to what Summer Nam was last year, where it was basically like, you know, half a sheet of paper. This right. is it looks like there's gonna be a bunch a bunch of people there. I just don't know if any of the the people that I'm friends with or like really care to connect with and see are going to be there, you know? Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm trying to look on their website. There's just like a big scrolling animated thing. Uh, it's hard to say. I, I think a lot of the smaller companies are just basically out. You yeah. Know, so yeah. Um, and then we did have a question about the Gear Fest thing. Oh right, we need to. We for, keep forgetting to plug that. Yeah. Let's do so this now. Dipped in tone live. Uh, is happening at GearFest Saturday, June twenty fifth, uh, uh, <laughs> I believe. No, wait, June twenty fifth. Yes, yes. Um, so here's the deal: it's a little up in the air as to whether or not GearFest is actually open to the public or not this year. They're not advertising it as as it's open to the public. Maybe our events open to the public. We will have more details on that. Regardless, we will be live streaming it over on my YouTube channel, um, and we're gonna have some really special guests. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna dip a well-known player's rig live with them sitting there. Mm. I can't wait. Uh, Zach and I are gonna get into a knockdown dragout fight in front of everyone. Uh, it's gonna be great. Yes, and just it's gonna be an all-around good time. So um, be on the lookout for that. I, I'm I'm excited. We're gonna have maybe one of us will slap another one, and then we'll like our fame will just skyrocket. Yeah, dude, we could reenact yeah. the, the famous Oscars moment. Yes. Yeah, man, let's do it. Nice. Yeah. So there you go. Flip, flip a coin. Who gets the take the hit? 
Also, we got a new uh, segment we're going to try out today. We got our first oh, yeah. voicemail. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, we're going to start doing this every week where uh, we, we listen to a voicemail and answer your comment or question. So uh, let's check out this week's voicemail. Hey, guys. It's Nathan from Minnesota. And I've got a bunch of different overdrives on my pedal board. I've got a Blues Breaker style drive. I've got a Tube Screamer style drive. I've got a Distortion I've got a Klon style drive and a Timmy style drive. I love overdrives, uh, and I plan on keeping all of them on my board, even though I don't need them. But um, I'm just wondering, can we talk a little bit about overdrive stacking theory? Because I've seen some people, like Mason from Vertex, they tend to go high gain into low gain. Then there's other guys like Josh Scott or Brad Jackson who go the other way and go low gain into high gain. Uh, there's um, multiple factors to consider with uh, the game versus the EQ. So what are you guys' thoughts on how to stack overdrives in terms of those things? All right. Well, thanks, Nathan, for the voicemail. So our theory on overdrive stacking, you want to go first? <clears throat> yeah. So how I have come to approach overdrive stacking kind of came about from making too many overdrives to sell and having to make pedal boards for for you know, events and stuff. Um, but I feel like how I always go about it is turn the gain off on everything and see how they complement each other tonally in a low gain booster like situation before I start bringing the gain up. So you can see what hitting what feels right under your, your fingers and, and in your hands, because oftentimes you know, things in, in certain orders can kind of make your tone fall apart, you know, on a neck pickup or, or be too strident or something. And so I always kind of work that way and then start bringing the gain up. And in, in my opinion, too, gain low is is just better for overdrive stacking. You're not you, – you, 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 you can really quickly overdo it with too much yeah. gain. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I kind of do the opposite where it's like – if I'm stacking a pedal, or if I'm stacking two overdrive pedals, I start with them both where I typically like them when they're on their own. So my favorite combination so far is the the Greer Lightspeed and the Timmy V2. I think that's a really special combination. And I have a three-pedal rule uh, that I try and stick to when it comes to gain uh, and not including a fuzz pedal. And and uh, in Nathan's voicemail, he's got a lot of dirt. Yeah, I, I would, I would, you know, this is, we're not dipping his rig here, but I would recommend like maybe pare that down a little bit because, and I speak from experience, my board, I used to have six different overdrives on Ooh. and I was never, I never got good results because I could never decide what I wanted to stack into what. And then they weren't all set up to stack into each other. And there was just too many combinations and it was too complicated. Right. So what I like to do is overdrive one, overdrive two, boost. Okay. Overdrive one usually is my uh, medium gain. So I'll set the Timmy to like medium gain, smooth clipping kind of sound. Overdrive two is my lighter gain. So in this case, the Greer light speed. And it's really more of like a colorful, slightly dirty boost. And then the boost either at the end or at the very beginning. You can kind of experiment and see which one you like better. But so I've gotten the best results with that. You like the Timmy into the light speed. I like the Timmy into the light speed, although I've done it, I've done both. Um, 
when you have a when you find a good combination of two pedals that work really well together with an amp that works for your style then you can it kind of can work either way yeah i i mean all of this is very amp dependent and it's very dependent on how you play yeah um it's just i've i've always found i mean at as some people in the chat are saying that you go with your method and i will say that when i approach it uh it's different than how everything ends up but i feel like the you know, you have to find what works well in a, in in the EQ wise with each other because, yeah. like, I would probably run the light speed into a Timmy because I feel like the Timmy has such a wider bandwidth of sound, and then the light speed would focus that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, or or like a, a Klon would be another good example of that right. too. A Klon. When I did the JHS live stream a few weeks ago, Josh was talking about how he likes to do a clon after a fuzz for that reason, because the clon the clon just sort of focuses in like a two two and a half k kind of peak, and mm -hmm. it really focuses a fuzz. You can do the same thing with an overdrive. Um, I just when I when I see pedal boards that have like five different overdrive or or just gain pedals, not not including fuzz. I I always think like, dude, you need to cut that down to two, and and like a good boost because you can cover just as much ground with two really good overdrives and a boost, and arguably get better results because you can set it up so that those three pedals work incredibly well together. Other than rather than trying to go through all the different combinations of like, well, what if I do this into this pedal or this into that pedal and then this into this pedal? Like, it's just too it's too much. Yeah, and, and I feel like you can kind of get you get lost playing your pedals and not playing guitar by yep. a lot of sounds. And, and like, yep. I get it if you have a cover gig and you need that many sounds. But to me, at that point, invest in in a modeler. And yeah, use just that. get an Axe Effects or Kemper. <laughs> yeah, for but for playing guitar, you want to play guitar and just have the sounds that really accent how you approach the instrument. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, you can do this with three overdrives where you set one of the overdrives as more of a boost, right? You could do this with a clon at the end. So you could do uh, you know, M Mjolnir light speed Timmy or whatever, OCD, whatever you got, and then use the the clon, bring the gain down, bring the overall volume up and use that clon as a clean-ish boost. And the cool thing about that is the clon is going to add some color. It is going to add some saturation, uh, but it's not going to be like like the Vertex Boost. I'm a big fan of the Vertex Boost. I actually sold my KTR years ago to buy a Vertex Boost, which looking back was a terrible financial decision. But <laughs> the reason I did, I've, I think I've told this story before, but the, the KTR has a ribbon cable that connects the foot switch to the yeah. board. And the ribbon cable keep would keep popping off of the foot switch, and I'd be on a gig, and I would go to kick on the pedal, and it would just mute my signal. And I called Bill Finnegan, uh, Mr. Klon, about it, and his answer to me was, yeah, they just do that. <laughs> so I, I listed it and sold it for what I paid for it and bought my first, oh, from Carter Vintage. I bought the Vertex Boost Dang, from Carter Vintage. Actually, you probably were working there when I bought it. When, when was that? Probably that would have been 2015. Yeah, I was probably yeah. 2015, 2016, 17. Yeah, I was probably because there. the it day, might have been me. <laughs> dude, the day that I bought it, we uh, I was playing with Muddy Magnolias, and I had a gig that night out at Fontenelle. We were opening. We did two nights opening for Kid Rock. Oh yeah, man! It was. <laughs> um, it was awful. It was an awful experience in 
and in many, more ways than one. Well, I think we've answered uh, Nathan's question there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, do we still drink if I mention Carter, by the way? I think so. Yeah. Okay, drinks. Carter in general. Uh, <laughs> as I'm getting the um, uh, rig ready for dipping, there is a great, I think the YouTube channel or the series was called Guitar Moves. Yeah. And, and there's yeah, one where the guy goes to interview Billy Gibbons and he's at Kid, Kid Rock's like barn or something. And it's like, I haven't I mean, seen like, that one. And they're all just, well, Billy and Kid Rock are faded. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it is, it's so funny. Like, Kid Rock, I, I've, I've become a big fan of Pat Finnerty's videos recently. Um, and what brought me into his channel was uh, what makes the song, or the uh, the Kid Rock, what makes the song stink video. <laughs> if you haven't seen his channel, you should absolutely check it out. It's oh, man. phenomenally, it's so, it's so good. Um, well, here we go. I got this. Because I picked this because of the name at first, but I think it's an interesting rig. Ooh. So this belongs to Mr. Nick Miller. Hey. Uh, Mr. New Girl himself. That's it. Uh, that's it. Nick, what, I'm sure that's the first time you've ever gotten that joke, by the way. What's the... What's the uh, Pepperwood. <laughs> the Pepperwood Chronicles. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Man, Mr. talk Pepperwood. about a show that really fell off super, way, way Ooh. hard, way fast. The last season, I, I can't finish the last season. It's so bad. M- Morgan kind of likes the the last season, but I, I'm with you. The first two two or three seasons of that show are Some of the best gold. comedic television that's ever been written. And then, yeah, the last season it w- was just horrific. But Yeah. My God. Okay. Here we go. So Mr. Nick Miller's uh, pedal board here we got, or, well, rig, excuse me, is GNL ASAT Classic. Ventera Jazzmaster with some Curtis Novak uh, P90 pickups. And he says he's debating on selling Jazzmaster to get some sort of 335 thing. Um, mm. But then uh, pedal board, we, he's got uh, dual input buffer, Dunlop volume, Keeley two knob compressor, uh, MXR poly blue octave. There's a lot of stuff here. Walrus Julia, Greer Lightspeed, JHS Morning Glory, the Timmy, a rat two from the eighties, the Iridium, the timeline, the Flint, the blue sky, and then dual expression pedals he built for the timeline and the poly blue octave wow. disaster area, DMC three XL MIDI controller for the timeline and some voodoo lab, uh, pedal power underneath. And then, uh, he's got a blues junior, uh, but he says he rarely uses it since getting the Iridium. Nice. So, um, okay, cool. Let's talk about the guitar. So GNL solid, it's a telly. It's a, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a telly. They're cool. Um, the, there's always, I, I do really like the uh, GNLs are cool. You know, obviously it's, it's kind of more of a fender than a fender is in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't, that don't know, after Leo uh, sold Fender to CBS, um, there was a, how long was his, like, he had a non compete clause for a while, right? Yeah. He did some stuff, you know, for Music Man or, I guess he started Music Man, right? I think he started Music Man and then went and started GNL. Yeah. With, uh, but anyway, uh, that's the history of GNL is that it's a Leo Fender company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I believe he, that was his company until. He was there until he passed. Yeah. yeah. So more of a Fender than a Fender. Um, cool guitar. I, I do wish, this is totally a stupid aesthetic nitpicky thing, uh, but I got to give people something to yell at me about in the comments. <laughs> so um, the. Neck pickups on GNLs, I don't like the the open pole pieces on tellies. It just looks weird to me. That's that's just that pickup style, and it's on the bridge too. Um, that bridge is fine because that's that's kind of like normal telly thing. 
Again, just, it's totally you like stupid. That cover. You I like, like it the cover. cover. I, it's a it's a classic look. At, you know, but yeah, butterscotch maple board telly kind of can't go wrong with that. Yep. Interesting question about should should he sell the Jazzmaster to get a three thirty five? Yeah, he says that he doesn't like uh, the the way the Pal Faro feels and wants mm. to try something with humbucker. I'm I'm one of those people that says, how much do you really feel of a fingerboard? You know. I I I feel it, but I also have the touch of a blacksmith on the guitar, so I'm yeah. like I always grip the like when I'm playing, my tips of my fingers are wrapping around the string and touching <laughs> the fretboard on anything that I play. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you can feel the difference between a maple board and a rosewood board, right? I mean, I think they sound different. No, no, but you can't. Uh, you can feel the difference, though. I mean, there's a. I guess I don't really. Think it, I don't think it's that drastic. I mean, I don't oh, push that hard. And I mean, like you can feel the fret, but do you no. feel? No, dude, that's wood? interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I feel a I mean, huge difference. It's it it changes the way I play on a maple fretboard guitar because I guess so much of my finger is touching the lacquer finish that it's like it feels different. It feels slower to me. Slower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lacquer. Yeah, because you know how lacquer like can get kind of sticky. On your hands. That's why people always sand the back of the neck. Same thing happens on the fingerboard for me. I mean, I guess I can kind of feel the wood, but I'm, it's not enough to be like, oh, I can feel the, I can feel the fibrous nature of this rosewood underneath. Uh, hold on, you am know? I crazy? Somebody in the chat, let me know. Cause... All right. I mean, I'm just, I'm just picking up guitars now, I, and this. Oh, look at this beauty right here. <laughs> oh God, get that out of my face. Um, yeah. Okay. So like, here's my. Yeah, my Sarah's T. So if I play like on the on the third string on the G, I've got like all three of my fingertips are touching the fretboard around the string. And then if I do like a bar chord. Well, you can't feel it on your first finger. You know, I mean the the bar chord I can't really feel, but if I'm playing single note lines like this. I don't yeah, feel. I can, is that okay? Let me my, see. My the, finger is literally, unless I'm rolling my finger one side or the other, like on this guitar. I mean, the the, the Strandberg has pretty tall frets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which which uh, does make a difference. It's not. It's fit. My my finger is physically not even touching the wood. Oh, this is interesting too, because the chat is split. It seems. Uh, Sam Edwards says, "100 percent agree." Both things can be true. You can be crazy and you can feel it. <laughs> I play bass. Okay, Ben's make it obvious. Crazy. Yeah, I guess if you're feeling... But but here's the thing. The fingerboard wood is... You're, it's not impeding the string or any of the feel, in my opinion, because it's all no, about the frets. Sure, but I'm saying just... It's not, not impeding the feel of or the sound of the sh- string. I'm saying that like my fingertips touch the fingerboard when I play mm. and I feel it. And a lacquered fingerboard, a lacquered maple fingerboard feels completely different than... And honestly, if you notice, almost every guitar I have is a rosewood fingerboard with the exception of my Esquire um, Mm -hmm. because I prefer the rosewood. Because to me, the lacquered fingerboard feels like uh, sticky. Like my fingertips are dragging against that... um, the way to okay, the way to describe how I feel it is if you just put your fingers in between two strings and then try and do a vibrato, that's what I'm feeling when 
I play. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's one of those arguments that a lot of people have that if you really sat down and like did it when you're not, when you're just by yourself, like thinking about it, you're like, oh, well, it's not really that. No, I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm playing like I normally do right now. And I can, there's a substantial. Really impede you in like a, you're actually playing guitar situation. No, I mean, it's not like if I pick up a maple neck guitar, it's all of a sudden like, oh, Rhett sounds like shit all of a sudden. It's like, I just, it, I feel it and it's a, it is a different thing. Yeah. I just, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just funny. I'm just looking because on my, my Solace has much more normal size frets. And even then, what I'm touching of the fingerboard is such a minor thing that I don't, I don't know. It's just me. I don't think it makes that big of a difference. I think it sonically it does because you hear a neck, but uh, feel wise. Oh, that's an interesting debate we've never really talked about is the finger, the the fretboard wood. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't debate. think that maple a maple fingerboard makes a guitar inherently brighter. I don't either, but I do think the neck construction and the neck wood doesn't impede or uh, impact the sounds. M- uh, Nick's in the chat said he's tried oiling this board and it's always super dry. The small vintage frets are probably more the issue than the Palfero itself. You're probably right, but I agree with Nick on this. I don't like Palfero as well. I understand the need for it. I understand it's a more yeah. sustainable option to rosewood. I, I get it. I just I th- don't. Aesthetically, it's not as attractive. I think the thing you could do would be like if you like the guitar and just like the it's kind of tripping you up the way it looks. Uh, Monty's in the UK makes a wax that you can like put on that wood and it'll make right. it all dark. And that's yeah. that's what I would do. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I advocate for Palfero as a more sustainable option for guitar woods. And that's, you know, oh. something we should all be paying attention to that we don't really talk about enough actually as guitar players is the sustainability of of these guitars and the environmental impact on it. But um, yeah. So anyways, all that to say, should he sell his Jazzmaster and buy a 335? Yes. Uh, you got the yeah, single coil thing. Yeah, you should. Let's do it. Yeah, Nick, you, you have our permission. So I feel like that's one it. of those things you're finding an excuse to justify making it okay to sell it. You've made up your mind and you're, we all do this. I do this. Um, I've done this about a, a new truck where it's like I've made up my mind about this truck three weeks ago, but I'm still like hemming and hawing and doing research. And it's also a t- terrible time to buy a car, so I'm not going to buy a car oh, right now. Yeah. Um, which interestingly, it's actually in some cases better to buy new right now than used because used car prices are so insane. 100%. If you can find a new car anyway. Well, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, it's not a car podcast. Um, I was listening to Smoking Tire earlier today, and that's... I'm all over it. Um, okay. So sell the Jazzmaster, get a 335. Now onto the board. I want to point something out here. First of all, as we were uh, uh, apropos of our discussion earlier, the light speed and the Timmy, great combo. Love it. Also really like the rat on here. Um, yeah. Great addition. Keep the rat. I would ditch uh, the morning glory here. And sorry, Josh, but I think the light speed and the morning glory are so close uh, in what they do disagree uh no i mean, I mean the light the morning glory's got more gain on tap than the light speed but i'm gonna say something oh i don't like the light speed oh you mother i bought one i've had two and i just okay so what we did me mckinley jeff 
we all, we all gathered around and I got every pedal that lives in that camp and compared it. And I just can't, I think there are better options. I think I have never been this close to quitting the podcast (laughs) in my life. (laughs) The Strandberg didn't do it. No, Uh, I just think this is, I feel attacked. No. Well, I mean like, Hey, it's different strokes for, if it makes you happy and it it makes you enjoy what you're doing, (laughs) it's great. But I think I just, I, I just don't, I don't, I thought I got it, and then I sold one years ago, and then when I got another one, I was like, I don't quite get it uh, anymore. Okay, what do you think does the light speed thing better than the light speed? Oh, I think a, I think the Morning Glory would be a much more uh, usable choice. Not uh, when he's got the Timmy on the board, but the Timmy and the and the Morning Glory are the the light speed and the Timmy are closer sonically and like t- t- topology wise than the than the morning glory would be ah no i got i got a hard disagree here i think the light speed and the timmy are such a good combination and i think where the light speed lives naturally in its low gain mode it's close enough to what the or sorry where the morning glory lives in its low gain mode is close enough to what the light speed does and i think the light speed's one of the greatest pedals of all time and uh, you hear that, Nick? Are you listening? Zach's talking shit. I'm not. Uh, so I'm Zach, just saying. Like, Zach I'm hates allowed everything. To... <laughs> no, no, I'm. I'm allowed I'm to not, and not be my, it not be my favorite. It's just funny because we were comparing a bunch of stuff, and like, I thought, oh, this is gonna, like, knock everything else out, and then immediately just kind of set it aside. Oh, and God. yeah, I don't know, especially the higher gain tones. I don't. I don't like it. It must be the room you're playing in, or something, or it yeah, might, all this might shitty be equipment that, just, I have. that shitty two rock amp, or something uh, like that. Yeah, no, yeah. Novo guitars. Like, what am I doing? God, what are all? you even doing with your life, dude? Like, get get some get some gear with personality, would you? I mean, yeah, my I God, Ugh. Ugh. make something. <laughs> God, Jesus. Anyways, all right. Well, uh, props for the rat. Um, <laughs> love the rat. <laughs> love the rat. Um, love the love the Strymon stuff too. It, people like to shit on Strymon because it's everywhere, and it is uh, sort of the obvious choice. I get it. Like the Strymon Flint is kind of the Toyota Camry of the pedal world. Um, you can quote me on that. But yeah. here's the deal: it's on everybody's board for a reason. I mean, it's damn good. Yeah. Um, the timeline still one of the greatest delay pedals ever. It's what tw- eleven years old now. Something like that. Come on, man. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, there's there's a lot that this does. It's very like unapproachable for me because of all the controllers and stuff. It's like I'm a ho. Uh. But but it's. I mean, it looks like you could do a lot of stuff. No. You know what? Let me revise my statement. Here's the quote. The Strymon Flint is the Mazda Miata of the pedal world. That's it's just it. It's like a Miata. The Miata. I would the think answer, it's way more of a Camry or a Civic or you know. No, a it's situation. it's the, it's just the answer. It's like the answer is always Miata, right? <laughs> the answer is always Flint. Oh man, I didn't. I think you're tall, too tall to say the answer is always a Miata. Well, it is. I mean, objectively, <laughs> yes, I'm too tall for a Miata, but like. It's just, you know, oh, I want a lightweight rear-wheel drive sports car that's affordable that I can modify and take sports the track. Sports car, Miata. I think, is very generous. No, it is a sports car. It is a proper sports car. A Mazda Miata. Zach. Is a sports car. Okay, chat, please. Anyone who knows anything about cars, 
Yes, it is. It is like the most uh, widely used and and like the purest form of a sports car. Naturally aspirated, manual transmission, rear wheel drive, lightweight, purpose built sports car. And it's low power. It's low power, so you can actually use 100% of the car on the road. It's not like you're buying some 500 horsepower, like, you know, Dodge Challenger, whatever. It's just so pedestrian. Anyway. It is pedestrian, but that's the point. That's the point with the Flint. The Mazda Miata is so great, but it's so pedestrian. The the Flint is so great, but it's so pedestrian. But the 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 Flint transcends. The Flint can do everything... I don't know. I, I I think the the Flint's a little better than a Miata. Oh my god! It's no RX8. Uh, you know that's all I'm saying. Oh god, the RX8 was trash. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the RX8 like had one of the the worst engines to ever be put in any kind of any. Says car. you. All right. Anyway, all right. the the Wankle, the Wankle rotary engine. My yeah. When you get now, we're gonna get all the rotary bros hating on us. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Um, <laughs> Hold on. So. Oh hey. Uh, oh wait, we gotta we gotta dip this rig still. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, Blues Junior, it's cool. Uh, it's is that a V four though, or is, it, is that a V three? Uh, it, it's a later one because it has a black panel and, and the cream knob, so it's a later one. Yeah, definitely better than the the V three, which is what I've got. Yeah. Um, I had to mod the the ever loving hell out of my V three to get it to sound good, so it's all right. It's yeah. I'd I'd probably get rid of it, and move on to something else. Yeah, personally, anything else? Yeah, <laughs> no. It this is better than the Hot Rod Deluxe for sure. Mm, disagree. I, dude, I I'm gonna get in my my goddamn car and I'm gonna drive up there and we're gonna fight today. I think with this pedal board, a Hot Rod Deluxe would serve you better because it's not gonna be as small sounding. It's gonna have way more headroom. You have every gain option available. I would on the Hot Rod Deluxe. No, 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 oh, no, no. no, no. With this pedal in this rig in this situation. I think a Hot Rod Deluxe would be much better served. Here's what you should do. You should sell this, and you should get a Tone Master Deluxe. That's fine. I'm fine with that, yes. That's fine. Jesus. God. (laughs) We're getting a divorce after this. Oh, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Here's the deal. So I would say um, this is a a very well thought out, very well executed rig. Um, It's a lot of safe choices on the pedals. Right, nothing, nothing here that's super mind blowing, but but they're safe for a reason. It's cool. Sell the Jazzmaster, get a three thirty five. Sell the Blues Junior, get a Tone Master. <sighs> Seven point nine shoals. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, there's a lot going on. I would ditch the light speed ditch the morning glory just have the timmy and the rat maybe just simplify the whole board and then do what Rhett said sell the jazz master blues junior but it i thought you might like this a little bit more than that i don't like it that much i don't hate it it's just not my fave sure what don't you like about it it's just too much on the board uh, like yeah i think i think you could i think you could pare down the board a little bit yeah. uh drop one of the drives morning glory um maybe think about a loop switcher also i mean yeah the flint there's i was gonna say the flint and the blue sky but the reality is those are two very different things yeah very different uh i don't know i don't, I don't know. know i i was I, I think it's a solid seven 
Here's the deal. If, if I was on a gig and I saw I saw uh, Nick roll up with this, I'd be like, yeah, nice. Yeah, sure. Nice. Cool. Play, we're working with a real player here. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of overdrives, you uh you sold an overdrive this week. I did. So <laughs> sold that jazz the sold the jazz master, which was cool. And yep. then immediately thereafter, I sold I sold my Tim and I sold it for eight hundred and seventy-five dollars <laughs> before <laughs> reverb fees, mind you. So they got theirs. Oh my god. But yeah, oh my god. I and okay. In full disclosure, I bought it from EMS for I think it was three hundred dollars. It might have been three fifty. Mm-hmm. I think it was when did you buy it? Uh, twenty. I think it was twenty twenty. I think it was oh, around wow. my birthday of twenty twenty. Wow, those have really gone up. Yeah, and and, and at the moment I like put it in the package and and set it out for for the post office to pick it up, I was like. Damn, I should have probably kept that because of the money. <laughs> but you know, it's fine. And I wanted to recoup some of my Strandberg costs. So Yeah, well, you did that. I mean, I, I my Tim, I, I'm not gonna sell um for two reasons. I want to keep it. It's a cool pedal. Also, mine was sold to me by a subscriber um who yeah. knowingly like gave it to me well under market value. And and so I I would never like put that up and you know try sure. and flip it. Also, it it does need I need to send it to you cuz the switches are still bad on it. I thought yeah. the deoxit would fix it, but it's got some bad switches. But uh yeah, good on you, man. That's that's quite the quite the investment. Yeah. I and I think and that's the thing that maybe this is something we could talk about today cuz I I've been looking at I like I'll go in my my closet where all my pedal stuff is and I just look at it all and I'm like I don't need any of this. You know. Yeah. And, and, and my guitars, I think I've pared down enough, um, you know, to where it's just like the necessities, but I, I see all these pedals and all this stuff. And I'm just at the point in my life where I want less clutter and less shit, mm-hmm. unless I pick it up and it sincerely makes me go, oh, this make this is like the Marie Kondo thing. It, it really makes me happy. Sparks joy. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I'm kind I, of I in the same. I'm ge- I'm getting to the same place, um, and this is totally like such a first world problem to have. Um, but I've gotten a lot of stuff through the channel over the years, uh, which I've been very fortunate to have. But a lot of the stuff, um, I probably would have bought on my own, but not over the course of three years or something like that. And so right. I just have like I have the same kind of thing. My pedal shelf is stocked full of stuff. Um, but it's, I have an opposite problem, which is almost like a hoarder mentality where I go and I look at something and I'm like, okay, I have played this overdrive once I'm going to sell it. And I'm like, Ooh, but it kind of does its thing. And what if I want to use it? And then I'm like, Oh damn, I shouldn't have sold that overdrive. Like I'm so paranoid about regretting losing gear that I just never sell anything. But I mean, if I think it, it it it's it's it says something about the gear or maybe about you if you only played it once, you know. True. Like why? I mean, there are things. I I moved all my pedals from around the shop. I consolidated onto a shelf in my office now, and I'm looking at it. And there's a lot of things on here that I've played once and said, "Oh, that's pretty rad." But there's so many things that I just I'll never. I know I'll never play them again. I know I never will. 
Yeah. And so what's the point of holding on to it? And like having, like, I mean, people might say like, oh, just make a pedal board and put it on there and then you have it to use yeah. and you'll, you'll play it. But I don't give a shit about that. Like, I just yeah. want to have, I just want to use the stuff that actually inspires me to play. So, well, I'm in a little know. bit different position because, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff I use to make videos. So like one of the videos I've got banked, it, I can't remember if it would have come out by the time this comes out or not, but Basically, I made a video on like, hey, how do I find the right overdrive? How do I buy the right overdrive? Because that's the question I get asked more than anything else. I'm sure you get you get oh, that yeah. too. It's like, what overdrive should I buy? So Mythos. <laughs> well, I have the Mjolnir in the video, and but it was like, okay, I, I want to cover sort of the main overdrive food groups for this video. So it's like at any given time, I need to have access to a tube screamer, a blues breaker, a clon, an amp in a box, like some various different things. And for me, I found myself in situations where it's like, oh, this pedal I haven't played in a year, but I'm really glad I have it because I'm going to use it on this video and I need yeah. it for this video. So that's a slightly different thing. Also, it's a prop. <laughs> well, it's not a prop in the sense that like, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a teaching tool, basically. Like, right. hey, here's what a tube screamer sounds like compared to a blues breaker circuit. In the right. context of a clean See, amp. Aren't you glad that I sent you a tube screamer? <laughs> you actually I am because I, I used the non-modded one for this video. Um and I used it on the John Mayer uh solos video that I just ah. put out. I had the tube screamer on my board the whole time. Yeah, you did. Pe- people are like, oh well, dude, what's how'd that? You tone? Get the t- how'd you get the tone on gravity? It's like uh, it's a tube screamer into a fender so easy <laughs> it's, and and you know what that's that's where a tube screamer should live a fender strap wait we've already argued amp. enough <laughs> i don't want to fight with you anymore i'm leaving uh, i'll send you the i'll send the courier dude, the, over tonight the title of this episode needs to be rhett and zach almost break break up <laughs> like tears <laughs> on her eyes <laughs> oh man yeah i mean so i'm in kind of a unique position there but i think there is something to that uh, that point of if you haven't played something in a year, like a year, you haven't touched it. There's not a, there's not been a situation that's come up that you've decided to pick up that guitar or that pedal or plug in that amp. You could probably let it go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And at, before we got started, you were mentioning like letting some gu- some guitars go. Because I feel like more than anything, you got a lot of guitars laying around. <laughs> I, I have too many guitars. I have too many guitars. Um, and... But it's a weird position to be in because a lot of the guitars I have were given to me. Yeah, how so, does that work? So like, well, it's, so here's here's how it works. In full transparency, a gear company reaches out to me and they say, "Hey, we have new X Y Z piece of gear coming out. We'd love you to make a demo video." And I, my response is pretty much always the same: "Hey, I don't do straight ahead demo videos, and I don't do sponsored videos." about your piece of gear claiming of how great it is. Like, I'm not interested in that. Um, I will do gear review videos of pieces of gear that are hotly reviewed or hotly anticipated, i.e. DL4 Mark II, um, you know, the the Quad Cortex, that kind of stuff. But I I want to be able to spend a lot of time with it first. And um, it's, you don't pay for the video other than I keep the piece of gear, so that is a form of payment. But I get to say what I want. I give my honest opinion of the piece of gear. You don't see the video. You have no input on the video whatsoever. And that's it. 
and most companies now are are cool with it, but some of them aren't. Like I, I send that response to, I'd say about forty percent of the companies that we respond to with that just say, "Oh no, thanks. We just want a, a good review." Yeah. Like, well, I'm not your guy. Um, but like, or in the case of the Gibson Theodore, for example, so they gave me that guitar because they wanted a video about it. But my video wasn't a review of the guitar. It was oh. And the reason I agreed to do that because I thought it was an interesting story about Ted McCarty. So yeah. I wanted my video primarily to be about Ted McCarty and this interesting design that they had. It was not like, hey, how great is this guy? I mean, it's a it's a double P90 Raptail Gibson. It's basically a special with yeah. a funky shape, right? So, um, but yeah, now it's an interesting thing where the theater is cool. It's a collector's mm-hmm. piece. I don't really play it because when I pick up a P90 guitar, I'm playing my Saris J. Right. And so it's like, or your, well, ju- your SG Junior. Or the Junior, yeah. Or even the Casino gets played before the, the Theodore gets played. Right. Um, and I mean, so, I've heard a lot of people say that they're like, despite how kind of odd they look, they actually are really cool guitars. They are really cool guitars. So it's like, so there's it's like do i sell it is that a bad hang to sell it oh like oh youtube guitarist sells his free guitar that was given to him by gibson but like i I don't know it's a weird it's a weird thing or do i just put it in its case and let it sit and you know and then what you sell it like later (laughs) yeah i I think there has to be like an x amount of time right you know, it would be one thing if you <clears throat> got the guitar, the video drops, and then at that afternoon, it's on Reverb. Yeah. On your Reverb store. Yeah. You know, well, like, that's... I, I did sell some... Like, when the when the SG came up, There's there's been two times that I've sold gear that has been from YouTube, like YouTube gear. One is to buy my 64 AC30, and the other was to buy the 65 SG Junior, where it's like, okay, um, both of these acquisitions or something that needs to happen i need to do what i can do to to mix uh to to make it happen and then i will part ways with gear that i've used before where it's like i feel like we're clear with the company if the company gave me this thing i've used it in videos i've talked about it then you know that's it but um Mm -hmm. it's a weird it's a weird discussion i've talked to rj about it some people have a problem with it so other people say it's not a big deal I, I mean, know. I feel like what people have to keep in mind is that if you're given something, they agree to your terms, then it's yours. Yeah. And if you want to sell it, you know, you're basically recouping the, the like, it's, it's your, that's your payment. I mean, like mm-hmm. the gear is, but also like, you know, if there, this happens a lot in the pedal demo community and, and a lot of without naming names, like sometimes when you send stuff to people and that is their form of payment, mm-hmm. um, there there have been people that will immediately throw it up on gear page for like no money just so they can like get their money back. Yeah. And that often uh, is, it, it's, it's worse than if they just said, hey, like they just put it up without even saying anything or, or putting it up as close to like normal use price. But there have been, historically uh some people that have like done stuff and just completely 
you know, like so they played it once and they posted it on the gear page or wherever right. for like half of what it even should retail for used. Right. And so I don't know. I feel like it's it's fine. Um yeah, you know, it, it, it I, depends on the, the thing, because if it's like a gear demo YouTuber where that's their thing and they're making money from, you know, or their form of payment is the piece of gear to demo your pedal. Yeah, that's one thing for I'm I'm not that kind of no. YouTuber. So for me, if I accept a piece of gear, it's because it's something that I've, I'm interested in. Um, I, I turn down most uh, maybe half the things that are offered because it's like I'm never going to use that. It's never going to show up on the channel. Like, just save save your money, send it. You know, but, and not to be rude, not to be like, oh, pff, I'm not interested in that. It's just like I, I it's not going to happen. I don't want you to like send me something, and then because the other part of it too, this is such a niche problem. Nobody knows about or cares about. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it's like I, I I'm. I only take gear from companies I'm interested in working with or I people that I know yeah. and am fairly confident that I'm going to have a really good working relationship, like cool people. Like those are the, the companies that I show on my channel and the gear that I talk about on my channel for the most part, other than, you know, the big faceless Ibanez, for example, talking about tube screamer, you know, I play Novo stuff a lot because I love the guitars. I've invested in those guitars and they're friends of mine. They're, like they're people I want to talk about and promote. I play Mythos pedals because we're friends. Like we do the podcast together. You make yeah. really good stuff. I want more people check, to hear about what you that do. Check every month is really yeah. Good. I mean, dude, they don't call me <laughs> Rhett Shill for nothing, dude. Woo, cha ching, <laughs> cha ching. But anyways, yeah. So it's like, um, getting back to the the topic at hand is like if you haven't played something in a year. To me, I think I feel like twelve months is a good. Once that twelve months rolls around, it's time to start thinking about it. Or if something comes up where there's an opportunity to buy something, where it's like, okay, I can scrape together some cash, but I'm gonna need to like move some things. Then you start to look at your inventory and think, like, okay, what haven't I touched here? And this might hurt a little bit to sell, but knowing that I'm gonna sell it and step up into this better thing, I think yeah. that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know, I I get a lot of like. Um, or not all the time, but sometimes I get like gear guilt, like, oh, well, I bought this thing because I really want to like it and I just hate it, mm. you know? And I, <laughs> I mean, you know, like I do that all the time. Like, oh, I bought, you know, this Beatronics pedal and I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a hard and man to please. That's I, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's funny. Like I, I, I've, I do that a lot and, and a lot of things I'll, I'll wind up with and, and then it just completely uninspires me. And then I feel guilty because I want to support these people that I genuinely like as people, but mm -hmm. I just don't like the stuff they make. And then some, and the, like the light speed, like I love Nick. He's a great yeah. guy. Like He's we, awesome I would guy. consider us friends. I helped do the layout on the sure shot. Like we're like, yeah, like, yeah. we're cool, but the light speed's not my favorite. And that's, I and for know. the record, I know that there's other Greer pedals that you do really dig. Like super Hornet rules. Yeah. I like, I like a lot of Nick's stuff. Um, I, I really like, um, uh, the Soma, that one was yeah, cool. Yeah, that one's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of them over the years. It's just like, for whatever reason, I just, I, it's one of those things. And I see this, I mean, like, I'm looking behind the curtain in a totally different way. Uh, but I see a lot of pedals that I'll see on people's board. And, and, and I think, 
I think this is just because I'm a pedal builder and like, and, and so often like I'm comparing myself to these other people too. And I see stuff that I think, well, why not me? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's not a healthy way to look at stuff. Right. Um, but I just, you know, I, it's, it's just one of those things. Like I, I, there's some things I just don't get and not, I, I get the light speed for like why people like it. I just don't happen to think it's like, I think it, 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 it's just, it, I don't know. I don't, I think I've said the that. light speed for <laughs> me works so well because it, it fits perfectly into my style of playing and my style of amp, which is you put it in front of a tweed deluxe and it rips. You put it in front of a, an AC 30 and it rips something that's broken up a little bit already. And that light speed's just kicking it a little bit harder in front of a super clean amp. I agree. I don't really like the, what the light speed does yeah but i'm the um, same way I don't, I don't play clean amps yeah it's just weird I, I just I, I just like it i just like it yeah you know that's no, fine that's fine no i mean I it's fine if you like shit whatever <laughs> yeah, i mean like i don't need i won't try a tube scrammer you know, whatever you listen to me <laughs> but fuck <laughs> yeah okay so look it's uh have we settled anything probably not no um I don't even know what I, we were talking I'll, I'll about. I'll probably, I'll, I'm, I'm going to keep the Theodore. It is a cool guitar, and it, it actually, those pickups do sound a little bit different than the other, like the two, the P90s and my Novo, like the Theodore does sound different. And every time I do play the Theodore, I'm like, damn, this is a cool guitar. Yeah, it's, so, it's one of those things that's like, I wonder what it's going to be worth in like five years or 10 I don't, years. Honestly, I don't know that it's going to be worth much because that what happened was, uh, and I knew this was going to happen, people bought them and immediately... They were on reverb because they retail for five. It's an expensive guitar. They bought them and immediately turned around and threw them up on reverb for seven, eight. Right. And is that what they're look. at? I'm looking no. right now. But like they've been sitting there. Nobody's actually buying them. Uh, let's do a little yeah, reverb the, deep dive here. Let's see. It's so hard because like reverb changed how their price guide work because it used to be really clear what things had sold for and now it's not yeah there's one up the cheapest is 5400 for a cherry which there's i think 11 the, i think right the cherry now. looks really good yeah i um, like the cherry yeah they they range from cherry uh, from cherry from 5400 to eight grand um see and that's that's when when the spreads that wide it, the market doesn't know w- what it's doing you got people out there trying to you know make a buck man isn't people, it funny how Sorry to interrupt, but isn't it funny how Chicago Music Exchange made taking photos of a guitar in front of pieces of wood like an industry standard for <laughs> used guitars? Anyway. Yeah, and th- here's the other thing, though, too. It's like for a super limited run, there's only 318 of them. <laughs> Somebody listed one at 12, and they've dropped it to 8. Mm-hmm. Bro. Oh, I see that. Yeah, four thousand and one dollar price drop. You Dude. know what? You know what's also like. This is something that I don't think we spoke about it on the channel yet. We talked about it, but the Scala Gibsons. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's one of those that showed up on. Oh, oh shit! No, there's there's three on uh, Reverb right now. Now, okay, mind you, those Scalas were, I think they started around 20 um, for like the simplest version. And if you don't, you're not familiar, it's it was 
Scala, Leo Scala is a boutique builder. And when Gibson started partnering with, with builders like Banker yep. to make licensed shapes, they contracted him. And he is essentially taking like empty husks of flying V's and turning them into guitars. And they, there's like three different variations. <laughs> the highest level one, oh, no. the highest level one, the ones that had like a it one had like an etched Indian on the pit guard looked very much like an Indian motorcycle thing. That was 65 grand from Gibson. But now these base ones that I think started around 20 grand, which is in and of itself crazy are now over 70,000 to 75,000 75, dollars. The, the 75,000 that's the middle tier. So that one was I think closer to 30. Um, what? So for a brand new guitar. Yeah. Um and I mean he like he's, he's <laughs> I know it, it it doesn't seem like much. He is like winding the pickups and making a lot of stuff on this guitar but still Sure. That's great. Ten grand. I get like ten. Great. Yeah. But seventy. Who's buying this? I don't know. Apparently, the one that was sixty-five thousand took two days to sell from Gibson. Um, like who is buying these? This has got to be like some dude who like sold his dot com era company and lives in some ranch in Montana that just has more money than he physically knows what to do with like that's that's what we're talking about here yeah it's it's crazy it's absolutely it's, crazy I, I i'm not sure if they all started as at at 20 grand but i mean in it, it, it doesn't matter but to be clear like this is asking price okay so yeah i mean we just saw we just saw a theodore that was asking 12 where obviously that's not going to happen but and i will um, say too these single pickup looking flying v's are rad as hell yeah super cool but this this is a shop asking 75 grand for this guitar come yeah, on man used yeah they probably snagged them up and then flipped them and a lot of people do that i mean that's like a common thing that people do with novo. novo yeah and it's just yeah. why does that bother me so much i, I, don't, I, I don't it's fine like people are free to do whatever they want i guess but it just really bugs the hell out of me yeah i mean i don't know uh, it, it, maybe it's a double standard because it's like you just flipped your Tim and that doesn't bother me. But you know what? You didn't. Here's what bothers me about it: you didn't buy your Tim with the intention of flipping it. It's no. people that this is what makes me grinds my gears here. It's people that buy the thing with the intention of flipping it to make a buck immediately. Like you, you didn't want that guitar or that pedal or whatever. You, you don't care about how it sounds or plays or any of that stuff. You want the name. You want the notoriety of the instrument so that you can just flip it and make some some cash like it's an nft or something oh god <sighs> which this obviously is better than an nft because it's real and you can yeah. actually own it but it's a still. thing you can touch <laughs> but still uh i man i don't for 75 if you've got 75 grand to spend on a guitar Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go to Chicago Music Exchange right now. There is you could there oh man you could and and even from an investment perspective, there is such better ways to spend your money on a guitar than dropping it on a brand new Gibson that was like a limited edition, almost like fashion piece, basically. It's like a yeah. it's almost like a it like looks a, like a an affliction shirt 
uh, made it into a guitar. Kind of, it's like a some like a collab kind of thing. You know, you'd see it's like a supreme, it's like a hype beast kind of thing. Wait a minute, I what? Okay, I just went to CME and sorted vintage, like the vintage electric guitar thing, high to low, and the most expensive guitar they have on their website currently is a fifty-four Tele that's only twenty-one thousand dollars. Okay, okay, go buy that Tele. <laughs> right, go buy that Tele because. First of all, it's twenty one grand. It's it's well, it's, it may or may not be good. Not all not all black artellis are great, but no. Um, as an go- investment, I think that's a much much stronger use of your money than dropping seventy five. Which let's be real, that guitar's oh. not going to sell for seventy five, but even sixty five. Well, I mean, sh- Carter's has a sixty three ES three thirty five. For twenty seven thousand. Now, last Ooh, those time have, those have gone down. Got down. Last time I sold one, like we sold a sixty four for fifteen. I thought those were in the thirties. Well, maybe I don't know, but hell, um, yeah. Or maybe it was a sixty four that was like close to Clapton's serial number or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but, but even still, you know, you getting into an early three thirty five. I mean, it's just like, it's an odd thing to see these guitars for this crazy money. Here's the thing, like, this is the the vintage. So I, I hear people talk about, and I saw this in my my Gibson video, the comments in my Gibson video a couple weeks ago. People saying like, well, "What's going to happen when all the boomers die off?" And they're like, "Young people don't care about these guitars." People are always going to care about these guitars. Yeah. Right. And we're talking about a very very small market of people here that are actually investing in these guitars. I mean, maybe a few thousand people worldwide. There's always going to be <clears throat> enough people interested in those guitars to to be. I mean, it's like a Stradivarius violin. That'd be like, oh well, what classical music's not popular anymore, so those people aren't going to be interested in those violins. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they're just going to get more and more and more expensive. And the same thing's going to happen with these these golden era vintage guitars. Bursts are always going to be expensive. Blackguards are going to be expensive. Early Strats, three thirty fives, SGs, they're all going to be expensive. So. If you're a one of these people that's got money to invest in a guitar uh, because you you love guitar, you love collecting guitars, and, and you want to make a sound investment, in my opinion, it's a much better use of your money to go buy a well-sorted, well-documented, pedigreed vintage instrument than going and dropping... Because uh, what's going to happen... It's a scarcity problem. So right now, yeah, there's a, just a handful of these Scala guitars, but what's going to happen if if the team at Gibson desi- decides to do another run of the Scala guitars? Now, right. your investment has immediately depreciated because, well, now there's more on the market than there was last year. And that's not going to happen with a Burst no. or a Blackguard. They're they'll, finite. They're never, they're, there will never be any more. Yeah, I mean, like... Like here, there's a 1960 Les Paul Custom Black Beauty three pickup with uh, a Bigsby for 74. There's a, a a 57 three pickup Black Beauty on Reverb for 71. That's I mean, cool it, guitar. I mean, they're so cool. I mean, granted, this is crazy money. This is money that most of us will never spend on anything save for a house. Yeah, um, but, but there's people out there, dude. Like. There's oh, yeah. people out there that they need it for a tax write-off. You know what I mean? Like, are oh they? Gosh, they need it to. You know, it, it happens to us. It's crazy money. It's, I wish I it's, could write off seventy thousand dollars worth of taxes. <laughs> I want to get it off this year and next year. And I mean, it's just how it is, man. It's just it's where where people are at. But still, oh, all right. 
Oh, a uh, shill. We got a shill. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've got one. I guess I'll go first. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the box because I actually have to send it back for repair. I've had this pedal for almost 10 years. Oh, gosh. bought this 10 years and ago. You finally broke it. I, I broke it a few years ago. <laughs> I broke it like in... I don't know that I broke it. I think something's wrong with one of the knobs or something. But um, we, were, we were organizing here this week, and I remember when we moved last year, I had put this in the box because I was like, I need to send it back to get it repaired. So I can have the pedal. Mm-hmm. And then in the move, I just Forgot. lost it. Yeah. But the Earthquaker Devices Bit Commander. Let me put this on autofocus uh, here. Oh, yeah. Dude, this is one of the... This was my first weird pedal like my first pedal that wasn't a reverb or an overdrive or a boost something that was just out there for the the sake of being out there yeah and it was on my board for years and years and years um hence why it's not working right now but um yeah really really cool synth kind of octave fuzz thing if you're not familiar with the bit commander i mean Mm -hmm. most people are at this point it's a bit of a classic um i i've never owned an earthquaker pedal what? No, nope, never have. Are you serious? No. Nope. Dude. I don't yeah, I don't know how. It's just like uh it's just miss me. <laughs> I've had this one and one of my favorite fuzzes of all time is the uh the Hoof Reaper V2. Hoof. Hoof. H-E-W-F. Yeah, the Hoof Reaper V2. Um I love that pedal. Well, I also have a pedal and I had a different one, but then I remembered I haven't talked about this one. Um uh, if this is the, I don't know how to pr- pronounce this name. It's either <laughs> Wonder, like the I, Wonders yeah, from I think that thing wonder. you do, or yeah. Oneater, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I the Oneaters. I yeah, of those two, I don't know that Oneater is the the one. I mean, far be it for me to give uh, advice on how to pronounce things, but. Yeah, I, I have I have no idea. Uh, I know I talked to Nick, uh, who who runs this company quite often. <laughs> Why don't you just uh, ask him then? <laughs> I I did, and he's like, it's, it's whatever you want it to be. Like, oh, that's not oh, come on, come on, Nick. Uh, <laughs> you know what it is. If you don't follow his his Instagram, it's really funny. It's like half pedal stuff, half his dog, like videos of his dogs pooping in like the yard. <laughs> okay, cool. It's really funny. Uh, but this this is his one one of his drives. Uh, he does one called the Red Rider, which is like a modded rat, and he's got a new one coming out that's like a different overdrive. And, oh, and, I love the the logos on the knobs. Yeah, the, the oh oh yeah, the symbol is very orange. Yeah, uh, but it's a great sounding drive. It stacks really well, and it's uh, really well made. And yeah, lo- love the big synth knobs and stuff. It's just uh, that's a cool pedal. It's a cool pedal. I've I have all sorts of pedals that I need to like feature somewhere. Because I, you know, I'll, I'll buy things from people or people will send me things and I feel like, um, you know, I, I owe it to them as part of the community to help because if I like it, I want to tell people about it. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I need to remember this, but the, yeah, the wonder drive, um, is really cool. And he does these in all sorts of special colors because he's like still at the point where he can do that. Yeah. So very, very cool. The old O'Neater drive. Hey, speaking (laughs) of orange, you think, uh... They knew what they were doing when they named the new Marcus King amp, right? Have you seen that? It's the MK what? What's it? The called? MK Ultra. MK Ultra. The, yeah, it's the Mortal Kombat. Uh, <laughs> the Ultra isn't. Wasn't that the CIA experiment where they experimented on with LSD on oh, people? Oh, is that? Isn't that is what that, that is? Oh, I. Uh, 
illegal am, human am experimentation. I, oh yeah. yeah, from the CIA. Yes, I was thinking of Mortal Kombat. Isn't it Mortal Kombat Three Ultra? Wasn't that? No, was, wasn't so, there a Mortal Kombat Ultra game? What am I, I don't I know, but of? I just so I saw Marcus release that this week, and I was like, oh, oh, wait. And, and his in his release video oh. that they did for <laughs> Orange, he was like, yeah. Uh, they they had an amp called the Ultra, and uh, we just figured Marcus King MK Ultra. I was like, really? Oh God, maybe. I, I just googled Mortal Kombat Ultra, and it, and the first thing was a Reddit post that says, "My dumbass thought that MK Ultra is a game on the Reddit <laughs> Mortal Kombat thread." So oh, I guess God. okay. So that's me too. That 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 Marcus King amp uh, is expensive. It's very expensive, but it looks very cool. I, I well, I mean, it's made, it, but it's a it's the first orange amp, or as I say, orange because I'm from the south. Orange, orange. Uh, it's the first orange amp made in America, right? What? Like why hand the hell wired. is it? Why is it made in America? I don't know. Because the CIA, maybe the CIA makes it. <laughs> like what? Why is it made in America? That bothers me. <laughs> MK Ultra is a pot strain. Oh, there's yeah, every, but, every pot strain. There's like Gorilla Glue and <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> red milk. What else? You just put any word blue together. Milk, yeah, red, blue yeah. milk, red milk. Dude, when I was, uh, when I used to work at a climbing gym and I would make Alien climbing routes farm. and we would have to name the routes and we would do the thing where we'd get three people together and then count to three and then each person would just say a noun. <laughs> And so we got some some. Pre- we need to sign off. All right, this has been great. You guys are awesome. We love y'all. We'll see you next week. And uh, goodbye. Bye.